0: The next time the lady flushed the toilet, it was like the coolest sound I've ever heard in my life. And I was like, whoa. And every sound then totally replaced the me behind the eyes. And the sound was like right here. But then it was also like right here, right here, right here, right here. It was like unlocatable. And it replaced, it replaced every sound was this as the sound. Every awareness of this was the sound. At the same time, arising together, and it and it replaced, it replaced me like behind the eyes. It, it was just like taking place right there.
1: So today, I am interviewing uh, a friend of mine named Tony. Great guy, known him for a couple of years. He's gone through some very interesting things in his life, including an awakening, and actually an awakening at a young age, which is, you know, something that's reasonably uncommon, but it's not unheard of. And I do get this question quite a bit. And he's really the first person I've interviewed, I think, that has had a significant shift at such a young age. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about all kinds of interesting things. And I uh, just want to introduce Tony. Hey, Tony. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for coming.
0: Oh yeah. Thanks for having
1: me. All right. So let's just start wherever it feels relevant to you to begin about sort of your story with this whole awakening thing. And maybe, maybe kind of a little bit what childhood was like, you know, to the degree you think it's relevant or whatever you think is relevant to, to talk about.
0: Okay. I'll just tell, uh, like a little quick, quick version up to the first awakening and you can just ask me whatever questions you want about it. Uh, so The first 10 years of my life were uh, pretty uh, destabilizing and violence. Um, My father was alcoholic and he was violent to both of me and my mother and me. And uh, we moved also in those first 10 years, probably about 13 times. (laughs) So I had to start over a whole lot every, every year, year and a half and make new friends and do all that. So it was very, pretty crazy time. And then, a, like a weird thing happened when I was six years old, I found a dead body, <laughs> I know that's pretty wild, but yeah, I found a dead body. And, um, uh, so that's just like one thing, a lot of, a lot of weird stuff like that happened. Uh, so when I got to be about 10 years old, but...
1: I was going to ask you with the finding the dead body, can you give us a little more, just a little bit about that? Like what? Maybe how it happened because it's obviously an interesting story, but more like how did it impact you? What was your emotional response to it, or was there one?
0: Um, well, there had been uh, already a lot of violence in my family um, ahead of time, and I'd kind of become used to that. You uh, know, not used to it, but it happened a lot, and you know, uh, so I just kind of got used to it. But this was like totally different. I was I was playing in my grandparents' front yard. And there was a car parked in the front yard in between their house and another house at the road. And it stayed there for like a week. And it was like, a, I think if I remember right, it was like an old Chevette. This was like in the eighties. And, um, and I was just playing out in the front yard and I wandered over to the car and I looked in it and there was a dead woman in the back seat in the floorboard. And she had been dead for like a couple of days. So she was blue and purple looking and, she had been, uh, it turned out she had been raped and strangled and left in the car. And then the guy had parked the car in between two houses, you know, to kind of not be, not be seen. Um, I have no idea if he ever got caught or anything like that. Uh, so of course I ran in the house and t- told my, my grandparents and, uh, you know, called the police and it was the whole thing. And then my grandfather had to go down the station and ask, you know, talk a bunch of questions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't remember. I I remember still the image in my head. Like I still remember the first image and seeing it. And I was just like, just looked at it and you know, it just, it took me back, but I didn't, I didn't, as far as I remember, I didn't have a major emotional reaction. I just like, it was like, whoa. And then I, I just looked for like a couple seconds to make I guess I was I was only 6. So I just kind of looked and was like, uh, and then I ran into the house and told them and of course, I don't think they believed me at first. <laughs> they were like, "Oh, come on." And I, I was like, "Come on." And then they did and then I was like, "Whoa, and then, Yeah, Yep, yeah, it was real."
1: <laughs> wow. That's wild, man. Well, thanks for yeah. sharing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I don't remember it affecting me too much uh in any kind of way, but
1: I think it's uh, a lot like that for kids a lot where it's like especially when you're really young, it's just what's happening. You just see it, you know, and sometimes we yeah, don't like, really develop reactions until we see others that develop those types of reactions. And then we kind of learn from it almost. But, um, but I know what you mean. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so about 10 years old, when I was about 10 years old, uh, my mom remarried and we moved to the town I live in now, but I've lived different places before and I come back here. Um, but after all that, it was a lot of suffering, a lot of, a lot of destabilization. So I started to ask, you know, I was just be like, well, what is going on here? (laughs) You know, I was like 10, I'm like, is this what it is? Is this how, how reality is or life is? And so I just started to, I did inquiry, but I didn't know I was doing it. And I just started to ask like, you know, what is, what is going on here? Like, what is, why are we, what are we doing here? And then I remember a very specific question I would ask is I would go, why are people here? <laughs> it's like, what is this place and why are people here? That's what that's my 10 or 11 year old brain would ask, you know. So I remember I would lay in my bed and before I would go to sleep, I would just look up to the ceiling and I would just I wouldn't think about it logically because I, I think I was too young to really get into it. So I was, it was just kind of like a like wondering. I was just wondering, like, why are people here? And I remember having like this thing where my mind would get to the edge of where it could go, basically. And it would feel like I was kind of pushing on a balloon is what it kind of felt like, like mentally pushing on a balloon and stretching my mind. And then I, it's like, I felt something, but I couldn't go there. It was like a stretching. This is kind of how I remember it. Um, And so I did that for like a long time, I think. And uh, And then when I was 13, I was at the mall, shopping mall with my mom, one of those mega malls they had it in the 80s. And uh, there was two escalators, and they were both right beside each other. And then one was going up and one was going down. And my mom wanted to, go, wanted to go up. So I was walking in front of her, and I went to the escalator that was going up, that was coming down, but I thought it was going up. So I went to step on it, just not thinking, you know, teenager, (laughs) and I went to step on it and, and I had a moment where I realized, oh, I took like two or three steps. And I was like, oh, I'm on the wrong, I'm on the wrong escalator. I mean, on the wrong thing. And when I did that, everything got really wavy for at first, everything got really wavy and like hazy. And I was like, I've, I've come to think of it almost like a, like a koan, but physical, because it's like my mind for some reason couldn't handle that. I was getting on the wrong escalator. And it just stopped and I froze. And then when that happened, reality shattered right in front of me like a mirror. And it just blew into like, it felt like billions of pieces. And when it happened, I was like, <gasps> like this, which I feel like maybe was the fear barrier, but it was so fast. It's like, I didn't even have time to think about it. It was almost like I was waving as I went by, like, hello, fear barrier. <laughs> so when it happened, it just blew apart and it was like all black everything was black and then it it felt like a like a computer that reboots it felt like it shut down and and started again and then everything turned like bright white and there was nothing but white and then all of a sudden the the mirrors came it came backwards and in reality went (laughs) and pieced itself right back together and uh it felt out of like out of time space, just like, I didn't know what was going on. And, um, my mom grabbed me and she was like, what are you doing? You know, it was like falling down. And then, um, you know, after that it was, it just, uh, you know, I was just blown away, but I didn't know what, I didn't tell her about it. Um, and we kept, you know, walking around and I was just like, you know, didn't know what was going on.
1: Yeah, it brought brought to mind a couple of things. One is when you say the mind just froze because of walking up the escalator, like it just went on tilt or whatever. And that reminds yeah. me so yeah. much of that scene in Revolver where he gets handed the card. And right as he reads the card on the top of the stairs, he freezes. And it says something like the mind saw, saw a problem it couldn't solve. And he just, his whole body yeah. froze and he just falls down the entire flight of stairs. Like completely. Right. Yeah. That's exactly, that, it was like that. yeah, it exactly like that. Yeah, exactly what that's like. Yeah, that is
0: like that. Yeah, that's what it felt like. It was um, like stopped.
1: Yeah, and um yeah, I also wanted to say, like, what a. <laughs> I mean, just just saying that, it's very obvious that you went completely—not you, but the identity structure—completely stopped, and that um has such a such a profound effect. Of course, you can't know that then. You can't even know what happened and. You know what what the mind makes of that is who knows it can make little of it or a lot of it but it doesn't even matter because that's a such a profound and actually very young you know um place to find yourself going beyond identity uh, i'm curious like how how did that affect you if you remember it's been a long time obviously how did that affect you over the next weeks to, to months did you reflect on it or did you notice other things changing or did you just kind of move on and uh, did you notice something fundamentally changing, uh, had, had changed over time that kind of didn't change back or how did that affect you? Like in the say short term,
0: in the short term, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things, um, not, not a whole lot changed in the short term. I was trying to remember this. Um, I was trying to remember if I had a honeymoon period or not, cause you know, people talk about that and what I can remember is that the seventh and eighth grade middle school years were some of my favorite years of my life. Those two years. And that was in that time period. And that's only the thing I can only connect. I'm not sure. And then a lot of stuff kind of went haywire after that, when I got into high school. (laughs) So that, that tracks as far as being a honeymoon period, but I was just too young and I don't, I don't remember, you know, it was just, um, it was the most stable I had been in my whole life. I didn't move and I was there I had same friends and, um, made like five friends. And then those are the same for, I'm, I still have the same five friends that I had that I met then now. Like I still mm. talk to them, hang out with them sometimes and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. But, do, uh, yeah.
1: do you remember talking to anyone about just out of curiosity, did you bring it up to anyone at all or t- probably did have no, no I, way of talking, but yeah.
0: My family was not, um, I was raised in like, I live in North Carolina, so I was raised in the Bible belt, Southern Baptist church type, um, uh, where everybody, you know, acts, act, a lot of them act, act religious, but they don't act religious behind the scenes. They just, <laughs> that's kind of a, a a Southern Baptist thing there. Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't have anybody to talk about that at all. Uh, I just kept to my, and I didn't really even know what it was. And, uh, but it changed, uh, as I was going into high school, it really, uh, I've heard Adyashanti say something about it can take away the personal will. And that's what it kind of felt like with me. Uh, I wasn't interested in normal, normal things. I didn't care about a career per se. I just wanted to get back to that or I wanted to know what that was. Hmm. Cause it was, it was like a major relief, but it was also like a, just an expansion and like, I knew that this place wasn't what it was, but I didn't know what it was, you know, like I didn't know, but yeah. I knew it wasn't. So of course, you know, like I was still interested in things that a, a high school boy, like I was interested in girls and, and I ended up doing stuff and hanging out. I didn't, I didn't lose interest that way, but I lost interest in like, and amb- like maybe ambitions. I didn't have big ambitions or I didn't, I didn't really care about anything like that. So like, you know, they start talking to you about going to college and doing all this stuff. And it just, it just felt very unimportant to me. So that caused a lot of problems for me in a way too.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I can relate to that a lot. And I think people who are very prone to waking up and, or some people who are just kind of naturally present and clear at those, at those ages, find that it's like, what strikes me as you describe it is like, yeah, you have the normal drives of a person that age and you're kind of developing, all those things are happening, but to like think in a really abstract way about the future based on other people's idea of success. And you're looking at those other people going, yeah, but you're suffering too. Like, you know, it's just so inauthentic in a way. And I felt exactly like that going through high school. I was like, I don't care. Like I'd rather feel good right now and party and, you know, like some, any anything to just feel a little bit less suffering but uh, it's so hard to put together an idea of the future or even know why I cared about that. Um,
0: Yeah. I had like a personal integrity where I wanted to make good grades myself, but I also kind of didn't want to go too far. So I was like an ABC student, you know, like some things I did good in, you know, but I didn't, uh, I didn't, I just didn't, I didn't care about those kind of things. So it was like, it was like good and bad effects from that because in a one way, what I started to notice was sort of like this background level of awareness of watching, watching things and people. And I didn't get caught up as a teenager and going in my twenties in a lot of the dramas that, uh, that a lot of people would like, it just wasn't there. Like I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I didn't feel the need to, um, And I used to think when I started this spiritual type stuff, I used to think, oh, wow, because I heard Santi mention one time, too, like he had a a, a strong level of awareness from a child and all that stuff. So I used to the mind to grab onto that and go, oh, that's me, too, you know. But then later when doing shadow work, I figured out, no, I just had a lot of awareness because a, a lot of crazy shit was happening around me all the time. And it was like a defense mechanism to be like hyper aware of your surroundings and what was going on. Uh, so that, that, that was part of my shadow work too, that I figured that out at some point in time.
1: Yeah. You mentioned, um, being a bit preoccupied with like, how, what is that? What's going on? How do I kind of get back to that? Did, you know, yeah. I guess in high school or maybe just after high school, did you have a orientation at that point to some kind of spirituality or any kind of spirituality? Do you have a sense that what had happened was what people, at least some people in spiritual circles are talking about? Or did you did you put those together in that way?
0: Well, when I got in my twenties, I I still went to church and, and throughout high school because my parents made me. I had friends there and stuff, but I couldn't I couldn't get into like the rules and the reg. It just never made it never made a whole lot of sense to me in the first place. But after that, it definitely didn't make any sense. But here, mm-hmm. I have my parents and other people around me saying all this stuff and i obviously know that it's doesn't feel right Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: my stepfather was actually a methodist preacher and a youth minister he was a youth minister at the time but he became a methodist preacher later um so that was that was interesting um and he also happened to be a, a narcissist too so that that's on top of that but uh so there was just a whole lot of feeling very alien and just kind of backing out of participation, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of observing. I felt like, I felt like i talked to you about this, that I think I discovered it on, on one of your early online retreats is that it felt like, it felt like I was shoved into a witness state or observer state. So then identification was not totally broken because it felt like, obviously that's a time when identification is really building. So it kind of felt like the thoughts didn't feel like me, but they felt almost like a possession. And I don't mean that like literally, like I felt like I was possessed by a demon, but it felt like just a possession. Like it felt like something. It's like you could very see it's like I could see my conditioning clearly without knowing that it was conditioning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I guess is the good way to say it.
1: You know, I remember clearly the first time we talked about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on a retreat. It was a question and answer session.
1: Yeah, but yeah, we remember, talked about it
0: before that privately too, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I've talked. I remember. Yeah, I remember a couple times talking to you early on. It was a couple, few years back. I remember so distinctly because you were very, you felt very clear to me. Like you, like awareness wise, there was clarity. But I could also feel your frustration, and you were, you know, verbalizing your frustration and. And it, as the more we talked, the more it felt like a, like a, like a friction inside, like there was, and it kind of all came back to that thing that happened when we were 13, there was part of you that almost wanted to section it off and push it away. There was a part of you that knew darn well, like that was opening to something beyond you. And, and there was like the ambivalence of like wanting to orient to it at the same time, it kind of did make you feel more alienated or seemed to at least bring that up. And it was just like a friction point. So you felt kind of, I don't know little frozen in that in the emotion space or something and yet your clarity was obvious also i wanted to reflect that i think that's exactly what happens to most if not all people when this starts happening young Is they they find a, a the disassociating to some degree or in various situations is like kind of escape and and it can create this sort of watcher state i'll even say i think everyone's disassociated when there's mind identification going on it's a sort of disassociated socially agreed upon state of experience that we're always like subliminally communicating with one another to to reinforce and stabilize but once you start to break the identity spell then you still have the ability actually to disassociate even more maybe perhaps you know just kind of go into like a but but it it becomes skewed in a way right it becomes well disassociated from from the the crux of what's causing us to suffer which is the pain body or the emotion body, or as you mentioned, shadow work. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, clearly that's where you went right after we started talking is like deeper into shadow material and so forth.
0: Yeah. Well, as a, as a good way to summary, a summary, I spent my twenties and about half my thirties in a very depressed, angry, frustrated, stuck, lost feeling state that's kind of the stuck was like the main word stuck and frustrated um because it was like if i was to describe it it was like i had this because of that experience and i had this real need to uh be close to god but i didn't feel religious and even i didn't really feel spiritual but it felt like that was a direction i had to go to to figure it out and uh it it, it felt like it kind of felt like this was shown to me that I didn't know about non-duality then. Um, I, I've i done martial arts. Since I was seven. So I knew about Zen because I watched, you know, Kung Fu theater. When I was a kid and it was like these masters that knew all these things. You hear all these pearls of wisdom and you go, Oh man, that's awesome. Uh, you know? So that was super cool. So I didn't know about Zen, but I didn't know about Zen, like Zen, like good Zen. It was like generic commercialized Zen that you just hear about. So until I started delving deeper and then I didn't know. But, uh, so I spent those, that time period for, I didn't have any pointers basically. And I read a bunch of books and, um, read things like I was exploring and I read, I remember one of the first things I had picked up was conversations with God. Uh, and that helped me see things in a new way that I hadn't seen before. And then I read some of the Seth books, which was like channeled stuff. And I didn't necessarily believe it, but it opened my mind up to new things that I'd never thought of before. And so that was cool enough for me, you know, so I wanted to read it. Uh, And then, you know, eventually I started getting closer, you know, I I found out about Jed McKenna and I liked the whole lot of what he said, cut through a lot of good stuff. A lot of that really helped cut through some of the spiritual stuff. And I was a super rebellious dude. So I was never going to like go to India or be like, be with a a guru or any of that i just it was i just had a very loner logic reason i'm gonna wrestle this to the ground and figure it out you know and i couldn't figure out why god kind of deserted me it's kind of what it felt like it's like here's a little something but that's you know so uh that's what it felt like through my 20s and 30s and i tried to tried to do some psychedelics in in my 20s to, you know, I remember I had an LSD experience one time that was a little similar to my first awakening, but it felt like, almost like cosplay trying to imitate awakening. The awakening itself felt much more like when I had the awakening, it, I felt like I was that when I had the LSD, it felt like a self still, experiencing something so there was like kind of a fear there there was no fear in the first awakening once I got past that initial like you know um yeah it didn't feel like that at all Mm -hmm. Uh, so and then I found my first mentor and then um you know who I'm talking about but uh he helped me see through a lot of you know concepts I had wrong ways I was looking about it ideas and And then I worked with him for about two and a half years and he helped me out a whole lot with that kind of stuff. And I started really digging into like emotion work and my mental processes and, you know, dug myself kind of out of depression a whole lot. Not, not, not all the way, but a whole lot. I would say the depression did, but that frustration and stuff, and there was a little bit of anger there. It didn't. And then somehow I got in contact with you. I don't know how I got lucky. Cause it was like right at the time you just released your book. And then, uh, so I got to talk to you privately, you know, a lot. And, uh, so from then on with really great pointings, like if I had your book when I was like 18 or 20 and it would have been, it would have been way, way better that way.
1: More I, I kind of, yeah, I wrote it in it from really, you know, I don't know where I wrote it from. It, it came in different ways, but, if I felt like, how do I orient the language in this section or chapter? I would kind of orient it to what would I what would I have wanted to read at nineteen? Like, what yeah, I was literally talking yeah. to myself at nineteen of this suffering guy, who knew there was something beyond this and just noticed how much suffering there was here and in it, it, pretty much everyone in some way or another. What would I have wanted to know? If I sat down and talked directly to myself. <laughs> that's really what mm-hmm. what I did, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. It, that's true. It's it was it was um a lot of it. When I read your book, a lot of it, um, a lot of it I knew already and I, you know, working with the other guy and all this stuff, but some of your chapters like paradox and thoughts and some of the emotion stuff was really like detailed and like really good and really helpful for the, this last half of what's been happening.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm really curious to ask you, I mean, I have to talk about very specific personal things, but. I'm really curious to ask you this because I know this is an area people ask about a lot. It comes up all the time. It's the most overlooked area in spirituality. Well, in broad spirituality, there's a lot of the stuff that gets overlooked. But I mean, in true awakening awareness, direct path type stuff, this is the area that, in my opinion, that just gets overlooked so much and misunderstood. It's shadow work, you know, emotion work. Um, and you're a, you're a masculine guy. You grew up, you know, as a, you kind of have that warrior spirit we've talked about, which is great. But also you came from a lot of trauma, including physical trauma. So many people ask about this and it's, it's very difficult. Of course, in some way it, it prompts you to wake up. It, it almost makes certain parts of it easier, but it makes other parts of it maybe potentially more challenging or more drawn out. What do you, I guess a couple questions, what worked for you? What changed for you that, that kind of gave you access to emotion or the shadow? Like, is it something about the way you understood it, the way you worked with it physically? Was there modalities that helped? Um, number one, and then number two, like, what would you tell somebody who's gone through this kind of stuff? Cause they're everywhere. People who are so traumatized and yet they just know there's something beyond, you know, they can feel there's something more real here. They want to address it, but the trauma can be such a, has such gravity to it to pull you into either, um, disorientation or disassociation or bypassing, maybe things like that. What, what, what would you say to that? <laughs>
0: I've got uh, a few few good things. Uh, One is I did the derealization thing. And to me, it felt like, and now uh, after the last retreat, knowing the difference, like what the difference is, the derealization before was me, it felt like creating kind of a pocket consciousness to observe the world, to repress the emotions. Um, So don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. I've heard you say, I've heard you say a couple times when you said something like, um, when you, if if you start to fight, fight reality, it's going to get ugly. And that's what my twenties were, you know, it was like just wrestling with God. And then like, he kicked my ass, you know, it was like, I was trying to logically wrestle this thing to the ground and it was like, uh, Nope, not going to do that. And what I discovered was like one, one, One summarizing point I could could discover that I've discovered in that time period was the narrative that you think you are can never, ever victimize itself enough for what you really are to give a shit. It's not going to, it's not, it's not, I didn't, I didn't have a victim mentality. I mean, I, I went to work and I, I, I didn't have any kind of, I was on my own since I was 18 uh, and I didn't have that, but I had the victim mentality in the, why is the world against me? Why is the universe against me? And I was trying to figure it out. And I would get you know angry with God and I would be like, I, I want to be close to you. Why are, why are you doing this to me? Why did you show me this? And then do, and I, why can't I find my way in the world? Like what is going on here? And, you know, as you know, that's a thought but to me at the time the universe showing me these things or or what i felt was against me was my own narrative circling around and coming back uh, yeah. and i blame that on the universe or god life stuff like that so my my victimization was an internal one all the time not Dude, external
1: this, this is so important. Um, one of the most challenging groups of people I I've worked with, and I've worked with a lot of them are people who disassociate as their primary stress response, maybe, but they're doing it internally. And it's exactly what you said. It's like, it could be so hard to even, to even explain like what I mean by integrating, what I mean by feeling just going to the physical sensations and what I mean by don't push thoughts away, don't push. You know, you, you can set up a thought that says, I'm angry at God or life, and then even push that away, right? Like not realizing you're you're building a dualistic identity with the way you're interacting with your own thoughts. And although there at first, there's a sort of instant gratification component, like you are kind of avoiding in a way you're pushing back into this pocket of consciousness, the long-term consequences of that, like that, yeah. that's a, it's like a credit card with like 75% interest. Like you don't want to it do that.
0: Wears you out.
1: It wears you. It's exactly the
0: identity of battling, you know, of of being the battler or being the, especially men, you know, we, we have like a, we got to figure it out. We got to handle it. We got to, we can't complain. We can't talk about our feelings. We just got to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I was. Uh, I had a sensitive side too. Like I had like a, there was a, what you might call a heart-based. It was never like real heart-based, but I had, there was a sensitive side there too that would come out. And, uh, but there was a whole lot of, you know, like you said, warrior mentality about it. And you just got to figure it out logically, you know? Even, even when I got older and I was, uh, my dad, my first dad, biological father, had contacted my mom and want to talk to me. I had done this, what I would call the logical side of emotion work where I wrote out pages and pages of like, his dad was bad to him. So he did this and logic, you know, X versus X and Y equals this. And it was like, so I should forgive him because he had no choice, you know, and that that's help. it did help. It's helpful to see things from another perspective and abstractly look at situations to, uh, you know, see another side of it, but I wasn't feeling anything, you know, <laughs> There was no emotion. There was no feeling there. It was all repression. So there was a ton of anger and frustration there, like big time.
1: How do you, how do you cross over to that feeling part with man, many, many men, including myself can relate to that and women too. There are definitely women who have that, they're set up that way. Everyone, everyone can relate to this to some degree, of course. Um, but, uh, how do you bridge that gap or even tell somebody how to look? Because I remember not even knowing that that emotional material was really there like it felt like i am doing emotion work like in a sense or the logical i remember it so well that logical like trying to with with good intentions trying to feel around what's actually happening here and trying to use sort of empathy but a very intellectual empathy um to understand situations and people but it, how do you how did how did you bridge that gap to finally like really feeling
0: well once i kind of the thing i said earlier about victimization once i kind of got tired of playing that game and just worn out it's either like you're going to die or you're going to do something you're going to surrender you're going to die something's got to change you got to do something so it for me honestly and i don't i don't recommend it it was really like just attrition just looking at my thoughts and seeing how they affected me and uh, and, and and really i started looking at everyone else first That's, that was kind of how I started to do it. I said, okay, I'm going to watch everyone that I know, and I'm going to see how their beliefs operate and their mental associate, what they do, what they say, how that affects their life. And then this was like a long drawn out process for me in that way. But to answer your question directly, I would say meditation. Because when I was younger in my early twenties, I was on some, um, like, well, butrin and Zoloft, I tried some of those, didn't do anything made me feel kind of just cold or just kind of standoffish, which I sort of was already. <laughs> so that didn't help. And I, and I didn't like that. And I didn't, you know, I didn't like, the way I fit. and I, and I read that it could affect you in, and long-term use could affect you in certain ways physically. And I didn't want that. And I didn't know. And, and also there was like this, I'm not surrendering to this. I'm going to beat it. And I'm not taking medication. You know, it was kind of like that, but meditation I started meditating in about 2015 or 16 uh, with the first the first guy, the mentor guy. He talked to me about it. got me to read a couple books. And I tried it before, um, but not just very sporadically. So I know that a lot of people can wake up and can do things without meditation. But for me, as a logic-minded person who's very logical, it was like I needed that. So I started doing that and he had me for the first year of meditation I did nothing but concentration meditation I did nothing else uh I was trying to he had me trying to get to jhanas uh and what the jhanas did is uh I finally reached or had a first jhana on a self meditation retreat I did to myself I went away for 4 days in the mountains and just did meditations geared towards that and when i learned how how that how to get that or reach that it's not it's not described as a as something that you would use it for but for me when i got to first jhana it was like the tingling sensation and it was like very like hype energy joy and then the second jhana was more relaxed joy you might say and i would get in that as often as i possibly could and it would rub off on my day where the depression would not be able to take me over as much. It was kind of like a feeling that would stay with me. Hmm. But also with meditation, after I did that, then I started doing, I did some Vipassana, and, uh, ran Dan, uh, Daniel Inger's book and, uh, you know, got into it that way. I started doing different types. I did a little bit of meta, uh, but mostly, uh, mostly that. And then a lot of uh because I had Jeb McKenna, I did a lot of autolysis work, writing, tons of writing about my beliefs, it's just tons. If I think of, I think back now about all the work it was, it was like a ton of work. Um, and I still had that mindset of trying to figure it out, you know, trying to wrestle it down. And um yeah, so all of that, all of that really helped. But but what what it is is the inquiry for me, self-inquiry is where it really kicked in. Um it's like until you get some space between your thoughts, I mean, I I don't know, like a heart-based person, you know, women can surrender pretty easy and that's awesome. But for me, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So for me, getting in between thoughts like that with inquiry and meditation, concentration really created like literally it felt to me like time started to slow down and it created a space, where I could then watch these thoughts and these beliefs and mechanisms happening. And at first it was oscillation. I would have reactions I'd get really angry or whatever would happen. And then an hour later I'd go, God, why did I do that? You know? And then of course you're berating yourself with thoughts. So what happened is it started oscillating. And the more I did concentration and, and inquiry, the oscillation got closer and closer. And until then when things were happening, I was seeing the thoughts as they were happening. Mm -hmm. And that was really helpful to start, um, you know, clear seeing is everything, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, which is what another thing I saw on this last retreat, but it's like, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to figure anything out. You just have to see it as clearly as you possibly can. And when you see it's harming you, it breaks apart, drops off.
1: Beautifully stated. That's
0: how I began to, start breaking down.
1: Yeah, I I can feel directly into what you're saying. And like, even, I don't even know what words you're using, but it's so obvious how you're pointing for someone who's more logical. Like, can you give us a little bit about what worked for you for inquiry? Did you, did you use a question? Did you, how do you, how did you lead yourself to that point of observation? That's not disassociated. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess that's the, the first question I had.
0: I would say who and why led me nowhere except back into the mind what and where led me to this um if i asked why questions why is like you're never getting you know why is the mind going to go oh let's figure that out and you're going to go right back in the circles thought reflections you know um who i know who is a real popular one and i did try it for a while but it just didn't do anything for me it was just kind of who and then you start the mind would start going crazy and um you know what like what is this where am i these kind of things i started exploring i probably started exploring um you know the senses a whole lot and um you know the ATR group working with you the ATR group was very, very helpful several people in there especially yin and so they were very helpful and all of john's writing of course i was just poring over that all the time um that's the last what three years that's basically yeah. when that when that really kicked in um and just really figuring out like emotion work you know a whole I did a whole lot of emotion work with the first guy but the emotion work really kicked in the high gear where I really started um not saying saying no how you got to discover when you say no you got to discover it in the moment when you're saying no to experience cuz you it's so quick it'll come right underneath you and just start operating you right off the bat if you're not really watching but like I said all the seeking it's like the seeking is unnecessary it's the clear seeing that you have to see, to do beautiful it, the seeking I understand why people seek because I did forever but it's like the seeking in books you read books and you figure out practices and ideas and that helps you look at things and figure things out and uh, you know, and then you put it down for a while and practice. And then maybe if you have a realization and you're going to look into emptiness later, then you pick up books again and read a little bit about it. So you get an idea what they're you know, but the clear seeing of your processes is what does it. And that's not seeking.
1: I completely you know, agree.
0: If you're seeking one of the main, one of the main things I, I uh, uh, a lady asked me one time and in in, I think it was your group about it. And I would say, if you're seeking And you've been seeking really for anyone, but if you've been seeking, especially for a long time, there's either a repressed emotion. There's a belief there about enlightenment or seeking that you're not seeing. So I would suggest if you're doing that, write, do a bunch of writing on seeking to uncover, you know, or inquiry, whatever I did writing, it really helped. Uh, Why am I seeking? What am I getting out of it? What am I missing? what beliefs here might be here that's keeping this seeking going? Cause that seeking was the frustration. And after the depression was lifted slightly, it was all frustration. And that's when I met you. And that was whatever, that was the frustration, you know, I have what a couple of questions
1: <clears throat> or one, one is just a reflection on what you said about the, the uselessness, not uselessness, um, the dissatisfaction of trying to ask a who quite like, who am I kinds of questions. Yeah. I find that's, pretty common after an initial awakening after an awakening or a significant shift in identity i find it can be it's it's just like meaningless after after that often for a lot of people not for everyone but for a lot of people it becomes quite meaningless because you see that it's really a concept you're it's like where do you want me to look for concepts you know uh, again though where right where is very it can be really power, even just the question where but where anything that leads you into your immediate experience, or as you said, to clear seeing, I 100% agree that's that's where the money is, however you can find mm-hmm. that, um, however you can yeah. lead yourself to it. And then you said something was great. See, you said, I,
0: was all,
1: oh, sorry. I, I was just going to reflect. You oh, no, said something that was so good. It, it's um, when seeking starts instead of clear seeing, uh, it happens fast and it does happen fast actually, but you can catch it and mm-hmm. maybe you can just differentiate for someone like even in real time right now who doesn't actually know the difference because some people really don't know the difference between seeking and clear seeing of what's occurring here um what is it what's the giveaway you know for me i might say something like a distraction would be the giveaway when you're starting to look at your process or your experience right now and all of a sudden you know you just suddenly want to go do something that's your your go-to distraction That's probably something avoiding or seeking that's starting to happen rather than clear seeing. That's just an example I might give, but what, what would you tell somebody who actually doesn't know the difference between seeking and just clear seeing, which as you said, rightly so is not actually seeking.
0: Well, you use the clear seeing to see the seeking, because like, if you're reading a book, there is a, there's a piece in your mind. If you can back up and see it, that's going there's an answer here. And then when I get that answer in this book, everything's going to fall apart. I'm going to be free. You know, that's the narrative talking. Oh, one really big thing that I think helped me personally is um, I know I've said narrative a few times. What I've done, what I started doing was, is I started calling all, all the minds and stuff the narrative to depersonalize it a little bit put a space there and and if something would come up I would say you know they're the narrative saying this so it was kind of like um because you know I already felt like a possession like I said so I started naming it like this would this would give me distance from the thoughts so they didn't feel like my thoughts and then I would call it that and then it was just like I was almost putting I did it with motions too I would put these things in quadrants not to push them away just give me some space to look at them and to see to see them so i started i started depersonalizing all this stuff a little bit um to get under it that was a really really big help for me
1: Mm. yeah yeah i think that it can be helpful sometimes that simple labeling um but just to notice you don't have to go beyond the labeling step you can just say oh okay there's an emotion being felt here Maybe it's not my emotion necessarily. It's not, or there's a thought here. There's a narrative. It's not my narrative. I'm not doing the thinking necessarily. That gap is really important. And with a a, a shift in identity, that gap is accessible, but you got to, even then you still have to slow down. You may have to slow down through a lot of meditation or through really being precise with what, paying attention to what's actually happening right now in your process, you can, you can open that gap for sure. And then, then there's, space you know i am a little careful to say space because i don't want people to reify that and that can be that can be your seeking you can seek space you can you can or even imagine (laughs) overlay the idea of space or awareness onto your experience but that's not what we're talking about it's getting under that primary sense of i'm the one that's the thinker i'm the one that's even the aware one um you can get under that
0: the only thing i mean by space is kind of like I, I noticed when the oscillation would happen and, and then the, the thoughts started becoming more present where I could see them as they were happening. It kind of felt like time would slow down just enough is what it felt like to me. There would be a little space there and time would slow down. And then you could see, you could see your processes a lot more clearly. Uh, and I think I did a lot of, I would meditate every day, still hour to two hours, depending on, um, so I would spend the first half of that, you know, doing shamatha concentration just to get the mind concentrated. And then I would, uh, sometimes enter was sometimes I wouldn't, I didn't care at that point. Um, I just, you don't need it. You don't need that. You just concentrate, get the good concentration, and slow things down a little bit. And then I would go into inquiry the rest of the time in meditation. Uh, and sometimes I would just do, do nothing meditation. You know, I did different things. Hmm. Um, That concentration, it just helped me slow down and see the processes more clearly as they were happening. Yeah. that's all I mean by space. I don't mean like literal space or like, you know, yeah.
1: Yep. I totally get it. Um, just wanted to make that distinction for anyone who fixates in, in that as a belief, um, and it can happen, but that's not what you're talking about. And it's obvious. Um, when you mentioned shamatha, so, so say somebody wants to do, what's your go-to for that? Like a resource, do you have a good resource that's simple for somebody to use that as a concentrative process, a meditative process?
0: The first book, um, I ever read on it was called the mind illuminated. Uh, and that has a very logical breakdown <laughs> for me. I was reading, I was like, oh, I like this It's logical, logical breakdown of stages of con- of meditation and uh it goes i think there's like 10 i haven't read it in several years now but there's like 10 and there's a whole lot of helpful stuff about it doesn't have a lot of jargon and it's a lot of helpful stuff if somebody wants a pragmatic book on meditation it's really good i mean they do go some some of that if somebody's interested in jhanas then i would say lee brazington has a book called right concentration that's really good uh and that's all about that it's all about jobs. awesome the two main books and then of course i read um oh, daniel ingram's book hardcore teaching of the buddha it has a lot of stuff about meditation and and you know all kinds of stuff great stuff in there um you know i was all i was everywhere all over the place i was on i was on his dharma overground board i was on i was in atr group i was in your group i was you know listening to youtube videos a lot of seeking you know youtube videos like crazy podcasts Anything and everything. Which yeah. I don't necessarily recommend that for people. That's just how it you know that's how it went for me. Um
1: sometimes it's like what I said, you gotta do.
0: People, yeah, it's just seeking to you, you know, you get a bang your head against the wall, burn yourself out or whatever and
1: the one thing on, I want to say about about you is that there are people who do that, but they do it in a a little bit too much of a disengaged way. Like yeah, you can get on these forums and read about it and talk about it and on and on and on, but you got to apply it. Like you, you try it, you, you do something. Like that's been obvious oh. to me, whether it's emotion work, shadow work, try, you know, you you put it into practice and that's key. Like, it's okay. If you're kind of, some people have to do this for a while. You're kind of all over the board, trying this, trying that, trying therapy, trying inquiry, trying writing it out, trying emotion, trying meditation, but you, you gotta like apply it, like really get. And, and if there's one area you're kind of avoiding, maybe look in that area. So for instance, one example would be retreat. Now you can do cheap retreats. You can do them on your own at home or you can do online retreats, but some people really avoid it actually. And it's like, man, there's probably a reason for that (laughs) because retreat space puts you in a completely different set of circumstances that you're just not used to being in and put your mind in a different set of a different space, put your heart in a different space, your behaviors. they, They don't have the usual surrogates to kind of perpetuate themselves. And it can really break things open, but like you applied yourself in all these different ways. And that's my opinion, what matters ultimately. Sometimes you're lucky and you find exactly the right interaction with the right teacher or person or process for you. Or sometimes you can just surrender, but not everyone can. And then you do have to look around and you have to try things, but apply them. You know what I mean? And really give your heart to it. And that's one thing. And it's the warrior spirit in a way like you've given your heart to this, obviously. And every time I've interacted with you, it's been obvious you're, you do you've tried hard, you know, and worked at it and it paid off, you know,
0: that first awakening, like it literally took over my life for good or bad or both or whatever way you want to look at. it. I don't even look at it that way now, but yeah, it was, that's all I wanted. I didn't care about anything else. And, mm. um, there's like a line in Jed McKenna's book and he says, figure out what's true and then you can do whatever you want. And <laughs> it's like, I took that. Per- I took that personally, you know, and actually that, that actually became a fixation that wasn't good, but, yeah, yeah, I did. It, it became a fixation.
1: Yeah. But like you're yeah, talking about
0: it's... not wanting to go on retreat, I the first thing I ever did is I went on a self-retreat, and uh, I asked I asked the, the guy, I was like, what should I do? For the first, you know, the first treat, he goes, don't do anything. He said, just sit there in and, and quiet and don't move, or don't meditate, just sit there. And what he was telling me was, you don't have to go any. I mean, if you get the kids out of the house or your wife out of the house for the day, And you just sit there and you don't have to, don't have to have a practice. Just sit there and just sit there and let your mind be bored and watch how crazy it goes. It will, it can literally, it will make, it can go crazy when it starts to get bored. In our normal lives, we have distractions. You pick up the phone, you do whatever, you go outside, you go work out. If you're in a place like in a mountain cabin and you got nowhere to go and you're just sitting there, and you get bored, but you don't do anything with that boredom, and you just still just sit there. Watch how crazy the mind
1: goes. <laughs> I 100% agree with that. 100%. Yeah. There's a great quote. I'm going to screw it up, but by um, Franz Kafka, Franz Kafka, who said, "You know, you you don't even have to 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 uh, leave your room. Just sit at the table and wait. You don't even have to wait. Just become quiet, still the mind, or quiet through and through." and everything will unmask itself. The universe will unmask itself to you. It will roll an ecstasy at your feet. And that's true, but there's an intermediate part where it, it becomes very uncomfortable. And, you know, that's kind of the, the contemporary Soto way. It's Shikantaza, just sit and don't do anything. It will, everything you need to see will be seen. Everything you need to feel will be felt. And it will surprise okay. you how much is there. Um, you know, do a Zen session where you, you don't have much support. You're just sitting, doing nothing but sitting. Might be real peaceful about it for about an hour two hours, if you're used to meditating after that, it's not so peaceful. It starts to change a lot. And
0: that's where the boredom sets in (laughs)
1: Yeah, boredom. And then, then almost like a terror of like, I can't move. I can't distract myself. The other thing it made me think of is when you talked about distraction, distraction, isn't such, isn't as passive a thing as we think it is. It's rather active. We're actively looking for distraction to keep our identity structure fed. You know, it's like, oh, it's the hungry, you know, ego. It's like, you know, reading and talking with people and it's just constantly remind me who I am. Remind me who I am. Let's keep this thing going. You know, it's, it's actually what's happening. And when you just stop that long enough, you'll know, like it, it'll start to rear its head and you'll feel its power. Actually, you'll feel the power of the ego structure. Um, and yeah, so, um, do we fast forward to the most recent retreat or do you want to mention anything else before kind of going into that?
0: Uh, the only thing before we go to that is, um, you know, I was working for you with you the last two or three years and then you got progressive. I think when I first subscribed to your YouTube channel, you had like 900 people Mm -hmm. and now that you got like 24. So in the past couple of years, it's like, Whoa. Um, so, you know, I knew you couldn't do, uh, talks like this with each other. Like, I knew you weren't doing zooms, uh, you know. So uh, I started talking to Josh the last 5 months before the retreat uh really working on some stuff and uh he really got me I I've already done the emotion work as far as feeling and not turning away not saying no uh he got me more into the way you know Josh talks a certain way that's that's really cool and different um and so he really gets under things fast and he was he was talking to me about you know, just getting out of the head as a habit and getting more into the body, or getting more into—it's not even like feeling the body's emotions or sensations. It's just feeling sensations in general, in in the in the scene, kind of. And uh, you know, I talked to him for like five months. So if anybody wants to talk to you, and like you're too busy, it's like talk to Josh. And I, I mean, I know Eshwar uh, is really great, and so is Violet, but I haven't talked to them in a in a Zoom. Um, so Josh is really good if people are looking for someone to guide them in this way. And he's very direct, but he's also compassionate and funny and all that kind of stuff. So he helped I me agree. a whole lot right after the retreat. And the funny thing is, I know we're going to talk about the retreat now. The funny thing is, is after the retreat and then looking back at this stuff, all this stuff happened in a line. Even like the my first mentor, then you and then Josh, it's like. The, the steps of what I needed to see or look at was like all in this line that I can see now in hindsight, of course, when you're in the moment, flying blind, you're like, what's going on? What's going to happen? But it's like <laughs> afterwards and you look back, you're like, Oh yeah, that had to happen right then.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, so, it's like yeah. clockwork. My Zen teacher used to say yeah. this. He's like, when you're into going through this, it feels like a, I don't know what he, how he said this, but it feels like a shit show. Like it does not feel linear. doesn't feel divine. It doesn't feel spiritual. It feels like you're coming apart at the seams. It feels like endless frustration, yeah. endless doubt, endless thoughts. But it would, <laughs> at some point you're like, that was clockwork. I felt and saw everything I needed to feel and see in the timeframe I could actually handle it, really. Because sometimes you just can't handle it. It's like you it's just, just aren't your narrative ready.
0: telling you that. It's not. Yeah. 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 It's just your narrative telling you you should be further. You should be different. Things should be different. And that's what you got to see, you know, clear seeing. That's what clear seeing's for.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. To see
0: that. Of course I know better than anybody. When I mean, somebody hears this and be like, yeah, but that's in the moment, that's so hard to do. And I, I completely get it.
1: I completely yeah. Get it. Yeah. The other day I thought about making it, I've made videos about this and I've talked about it, but I, I thought about actually saying, saying this directly, like, people are like, what's the fastest way? What's the most direct path? And all this, honestly, is exactly what you said. If you can actually put your, find the sensation of just being, find this, not not the thought of being, not consciousness, but the the sensation, and you may find it through the body, through the body sense or whatever, but stay in that sensation, like really just stay in it. It'll It'll feel fluid. It'll feel raw. It'll feel unbound. It'll feel vulnerable as hell sometimes, but you can actually stay there. Like you can keep attention with that. Um, and realize you, you'll realize over time that's what you've been abandoning. That's what self-abandonment is. That's what you know avoidance is. That's what disassociation is. You can actually stay with that um, and let the mind do what it needs to do. It'll you know get your attention here and there, but really stay there. That's about as direct as it gets, you know. And at some point, everyone will do that. You you once you've unloaded enough of the polarities up here and the, the aversions and the drama and the attachment to narratives and the fixations, you'll go right to the sensation. You know you have because. Where else is there? You know, it's and it becomes <laughs> obvious at some point. So one yeah. thing,
0: Josh, did that really helped me with logically was every time you have a thought, check in with your body as mm. much as you can. Of course, you're gonna have thousands of thoughts a day you don't catch, but every time you have a thought, especially a me thought or I thought, check back in downstairs and, and not necessarily like find it in your body, just feel the general sensations. Just feel general sensations. Don't you don't necessarily have to pinpoint it every time and really dissect it. Just take yourself out of your head and put it down here in mm-hmm. any sensation you feel and just stay with that as long as you possibly can. And then when you have another thought, go, you know, you have the thought, you might look at the thought, you're doing inquiry, but then check, check right back in. And that really helped me break that habit of the head. Um you Perfect. Know, going into the distraction and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, after retreat, this is just for the audience after retreat, Tony sent me a message saying I had a small shift and then I had a big shift, you know, and I knowing coming from you, I was like, okay, this is going to be good. I already know this. I'm, I'm very excited because you're not the kind of guy who some people talk about it all the time. Oh, I had this happen and this shift and this experience and endlessly talk about experiences. You don't do that at all. You don't talk about experiences because you know the difference. And so I was like, oh yeah. And I listened to just a series of voice recordings from you. And I was like, man, this, you know, it was like. 15 minutes of voice recordings total or something if I added them up and I'm like, this, this is a masterclass right here in non-dual realization, like deep, deep realization. It's so good. I still want to go back and like have those like maybe um, transcribed or something. They're just so good. Anyway, let's talk about that. What happened at at this most recent retreat at the art of living?
0: Okay. So, um, this, this was the second retreat. I did the one last year too. Nothing, nothing happened last year, just good deep meditation, but this year, um, I, it was like on Wednesday. So we got there Sunday. So it was like four days in. Uh, so, you know, it was a lot of concentration, a lot of, uh, really group concentration, you know, that feeling like you talk about that builds throughout the retreat. That's really, it's really helpful. Uh, people should definitely do that if they're thinking about it. Um, so the first on Wednesday evening, I was meditating and I was, Uh, meditating on the senses and I was switching between one sense and another sense. And uh, I've heard you say, and others say all the time that there's a conceptual overlay over sensations. And I was thinking about that and I was, and I was meditating. So I started, I was, I was staying in those senses and switching to the senses and then I stayed with the sound for a while and there was these ladies that were uh, cleaning the bathrooms, and they were flushing the commodes over and over again. <laughs> I don't think they were supposed to be there at that time, but they were anyway. But I, I didn't mind. I was just using it for. Your sound is off. I'm not. Oh, sure. sorry. I was I gonna say I.
1: I was joking. I said I. I paid them to do that at just the right time. Paid them to do that.
0: Well, that was very helpful. <laughs> uh, but I was sitting there, and I was and I was uh, pretty deep concentrated and. I was I was hearing the sound of the toilet flushing and, and, and you know sounds in the room too and all this stuff and I just had this moment and I was I was like it was I was kind of doing inquiry too and I had this moment like I always just kind of thought of conceptual overlay as like a blanket over reality like labels and I it wasn't deep enough what I was thinking but I was like I was talking about having the space and the clear seeing in the space is. There was just enough space there that I saw the sound happening. And then I saw a thought, this is very quick. This is not like a long drawn out thing. This is, it happened very fast, but I saw a thought create, create itself like a glove going right over the sound Af- right after the sound made the sound, a thought was created. That was the pretty much, I would say an exact replica of the sound of the toilet. And it was a thought, and I and I had a boom, like a realization. Right then, I'm hearing the thought. I'm hearing the thought of a sound, not the sound. Or maybe I'm hearing a tiny piece of the sound at the beginning. But what I'm really concentrated on is the thought of the sound in that moment. And then it happened again with a different sound, and I and I noticed it. And it happened again, and then all of a sudden it dropped. It was. It was. I was kind of like. I think I asked myself a question like, I don't have to do, why do I do, why am I, I don't have to do that. And when I said that it was something like that. And when I did that, it just dropped. And the next sound, the next time the lady flushed the toilet, it was like the coolest sound I've ever heard in my life. And I was like, Whoa. And then uh, it happened again. And I heard them talking in there. And um, I think they were speaking Spanish or something. I, I didn't understand what they were saying, but it was, so it was just sounds and it was just like, it, every sound then totally replaced the me behind the eyes. And the sound was like right here. But then it was also like right here, right here, right here, right here, right. it was like unlocatable and it replaced, it replaced, every sound was this as the sound. Every awareness of this was the sound of, at the same time arising together. And it, and it replaced, it replaced me like behind the eyes it was just like taking place right there
1: do you when you said this i related it exactly and precisely to the seven stages i think at one point uh 10 said there was just the, the bell the bell was just dong and he said there was no i am the the dung was the i am i had mistake mistaken i am or mistaken that for i am um and it's just yeah. that pure sound the pure sounded it's there's no distance no one hearing the sound just that and it's so beautiful the first time you hear it uh like you you can't unhear that you can't unknow that and you can't yeah. ever go back and forget in a way that the that the reflection of it the the and it's not just one in a sense it's not just one reflection it's two reflections the, the 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 reflected sound and the reflected one that hears it they kind of coarise you know, and they're both in, they're both in consciousness in a way. They're not really the sound, but the sound is there, you know, or what, what that is, is actually there. Ooh. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Like the awareness is the sound. Yeah. And it was just like, it was just, it was like, it was like I'd never heard a toilet flush before or something. And Mm -hmm. I was like practically begging her on the inside to do it again and again, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, Oh, I want to hear that again. Uh, and then ever since then uh, that, but even, even well, it was, they were both simultaneously very cool, but even just as cool is seeing that thought replicate that sound right after the sound starts. And it's, it just slides right over it like a glove. Uh, I made a funny meme about it. I was gonna send to you after we're done, <laughs> but uh, it, it was just like, I mean, just seeing that. And that's what I talk about having that concentration and just i mean you don't need much it's like just enough space to see clearly the mechanism doing it and when that you see it it's like uh, a magician with a rabbit doing a trick and the rabbit like you know disappears you're like where did it go but it's like you see the box underneath the table that the rabbit goes to and once you see it you can't unsee it and then the trick is just like doesn't, it doesn't trick you anymore it's just so obvious and ever since then every sound has been very like just non-dual really non-dual beautiful um, it's been three weeks so I've, I've kind of gotten a little used to it but it's still still striking sometimes uh visually too and um you know this and and i and then i switched it to like sensations and then it was like seeing with the the seeing part of it is is harder but um it's a little more tricky, but yeah. I would say before I would be contracted all the time, and I'd have non-dual experiences in the scene, like seeing and hearing. And then after that, it's like non-dual with some contraction. <laughs> that yeah. still contraction still happens. Yeah, like it turns itself on its head. Way. Yeah, yeah, and then sometimes it's like uh, super striking. Uh, non-dual. and then it kind of you know comes in a, i I'm not worried about it now. I used to you know I used to ask you about it. I used to be real worried about it. No, I don't care. It's just like it'll happen. it's just more relaxed, you know um,
1: Beautiful. yeah so, very cool <laughs> and you that was was that the first half of what you described to me, and then, yeah, that's the next? first half that was yeah. the
0: small that was the small when that happened, I had this energy come up in my chest and this was nighttime. Um, and then I I had the energy and then Violet did her sound meditation. Uh, and then after that meditated some more and went back to the room and just had that energy in my chest and, you know, just the sounds walking back to my room, like, you know, just hearing the trees and the wind and all that. And it was just like, it's just amazing, you know? Um, and just relaxing or just an ease, you know, there was just an ease there. Uh, and I went back, to my room and then I woke up at like three o'clock in the morning and I had to pee and then that that chest that energy in my chest was still there I had no idea what it was I didn't even care because I was so like kind of relaxed about it at that point uh so then the next morning I ate breakfast and then I went to the first your guided meditation I didn't even hear what you said in the meditation I was just like I was really concentrated it was really built up you know So I didn't even hear what you said. I was just meditating. It was like dropped right into like unbound consciousness and just like, you know, and then you had, we had one more meditation and then you did your talk. So during those first two meditations is where the next, the next thing, yeah. Which is really hard to talk, really, really hard to figure (laughs) out how to talk about, but I will try. (laughs) So uh, I was deep in, uh, deep in the concentration uh, of of the, about an hour in and I just had these. I don't I don't even remember. I don't think I was I was doing like a do nothing meditation. I was just listening to the sounds and I was in and like I heard Paul Hederman once describe it as like downloads. And that's what it felt like to me. It felt like these downloads. Uh it it felt like this was using the imagination to show something, but I wasn't thinking and imagine it like i wasn't trying to imagine something uh it's the best way i could say it but i had like this 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 vision kind of come up of like a warrior um it's like a samurai warrior uh and it had a sword and there was a projection uh, my wife asked me like what do you mean and i was like it's kind of like when rd 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 t2 does the projection of princess leia and star wars and it, it kind of was kind of like that and um uh, and there was a sword and then it was a projection of the warrior it the, another projection and it looked like uh apparition or ghost and it was a dropping of the sword and then the sword reflection dropped and it went away and it did that again but the second time it came up it was it was apparition of of me of like tony and narratives and emotions and uh you know and then the sword just dropped from it felt like the mirror from this side of it projecting the apparition and the sword was here and it dropped and when it dropped the reflection sword dropped it just dropped and went away and then it happened like one or two more times and then like on the third or fourth time when the sword dropped and the apparition went away is like It was like a frozen. It was like identification was cut, but it didn't feel. I didn't see like an. It it was a felt thing, and it went. Mm -hmm. It was just, boop, and it was like very subtle, but it was very like. I was like, oh, it was like that kind of thing. It was like oh, um, and then right after that happened, it was like a flood of like this, just all kinds of stuff just came in. Um, it was like a dam burst of, or scaffolding collapsed or whatever, whatever you want to say. I don't know, but it was like a realization right then, like all the suffering of the narrative of the, of Tony, the, of the, Tony's an apparition and all the suffering that's ever happened happened right now. And it's all one thought or you could say maybe not one exact thought, but it's like one bundle of thoughts or belief in the moment that you're believing, uh, which is the identification. And um, it was just known. It was like, Tony's, Tony's an apparition. And, and, and if, you know, it goes about his life and he's doing things and from the side view or from a different angle, Tony looks like he's there because he's there's thoughts and there are there's like, you know, you're interacting with people and things are happening. But if you look directly, it's like the apparition just disappears. And it was like so obvious and it was so powerful, but so subtle. And it was just like, like I said, it wasn't like, oh, like fireworks. It was just like, oh. And it was just so obvious that like, you know, you're the unborn and the apparition is is a pierce. And it isn't, uh, you know, so there was like, I had a few like things of, I remember one thought I had was like, oh, I have a test tomorrow. I'm going to fail, you know, just a, just a example. And it was like, yeah, that, that there's, there's no, there's no future because that suffering is you're having right now is right now Mm -hmm. and it's ruining whatever's going on right now. So of course, when that happens, it's going to, it flung me back to the past. And it was like time right then just collapsed. It was just like, boom, like it, it like imploded. Mm-hmm. And it became so clear that that whole path that me and you just discussed for the last hour was not, was apparition. It was completely empty. And all that suffering was one thought I was having in the moment. No matter how many moments you go back to in the past, memories, all that suffering was the moment you were having it is the only suffering there ever was and uh so then what happened was and it still felt like this wasn't me like what you might do an inquiry it was feels like a showing it was like see this see this is what it kind of felt like so it took me back to all these memories that I had related to my dad to just anything good and bad anything and it was like saying see and what was so weird is like the emotions were coming up from those memories right then. Mm. But at the same time, I could feel them directly. It's like doing like rapid emotion work where I didn't have to, you know, emotion work, you search the thoughts, you try to get the feeling, you know what I mean? This was like, see this. And it was like, I felt that emotion. And then, uh, it was shown to be completely empty right at the same time. It was like, see, this is empty. This is, this never happened, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then I always was confused when people would say nothing's ever happened, <laughs> but what it is is nothing concrete has ever happened. <clears throat> it's all like in a narrative and it's yeah. all, you know, and it, and it just took me back to different, it just showed different ones all the way back as far as I could go. And it was like all the frustration and doubt evaporated because it was, it's like a narrative. It's an apparition. Every thought and belief is an apparition mm-hmm. and I, an apparition just kept coming up. I don't know why that word came up, but it did. And I was like, oh, that's cool word. but it was like, that's what it's shown. It was shown like, so that's what I've been kind of saying when I explained it, but mm-hmm. it was, it was just like all of that, you know, and in that moment there was like this, it's like my fist, it felt like this just went like, like it just opened. Mm. That's what it felt like uh, internally. Uh, it's just like a a release. Um, you know, and I saw all this stuff about my father and just all these things that he did and and my mom didn't handle it right and all this. And it, it was just like, it was narratives it was like all these narratives doing the best that they could with what they had. Hmm. And they became very innocent narr- narratives. It was just like, they just all were seeing like their own apparitions and narratives. It's like they, those causes and conditions that created their lives were empty and blameless. And, you know, they did the best they could. And the best part of it was, it was immediately seen that Tony did the best he could, you know, just like, you know, he was so innocent and it was like, he was seen as like an apparition, but also just kind of like a, I don't know what the right word is, like a subset of reality, like part of reality, just not the main deal. Uh, But he was so innocent and he, there was just sort of like this pride that he made it through that, that he did the best he could, not not just with like the violent stuff or any of that, but just like, cause like in, you know, throughout my twenties, it's like, I just wanted to die every day cause it was horrible. And it was just like reality, just scraping up against itself all the time, trying to figure it out, you know? And I was thinking it was something and all it ever was, was my narrative. All it ever was, was that one suffering thought I was having at each moment of whenever time the suffering came up, you know,
1: mm. uh, man, you said yeah. so much, you said so, so, so much there.
0: I feel like I had to like get through it really fast because I was like, this is so crazy. I got, no, like,
1: I mean, it's, you're, you're transmitting it so powerfully and, and I can yeah. talk about it mechanistically and say the first shift was like the the illusion of time or the illusion of space collapsed. And the second shift, the illusion of time collapsed completely. And and without time and space, like the, there's no fundamental illusion anymore, really. There's nowhere for a, a an apparent self to hide. And it is is seen to be this this beautiful apparition, as you describe, or appearance. Um, but it's all here. Everything will appear here. And no matter how it feels like it's appearing in time or space. Um, but you said it so so much better than that because it was in a sense, personal, but obviously it's also radically impersonal. Um, and that's the innocence. And you also tied in so beautifully, this question I get a lot of like, if I talk about emptiness or shunyata or the unborn or the unbound, you know, people will say, what about love? Where's love? And it's like, that's exactly where love is that. And, and you tied it together perfectly because it's the, it's seeing things as they are. And when you see, not that there are things or that things are any certain way, but when you see clearly, very clearly without any apparition or any fundamental illusion, fundamental to consciousness, um, then you see absolute innocence, innocence and simplicity in everything. Uh, And, and that that you, you can't do anything but love that. It's so precious in a sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was so
0: uh, that, that, that innocence was really dramatic to see and, What, and I understand what you say sometimes too, where people can have grief about losing the identity because when I went back and saw, you know, this is 10 or 15 years of hardcore depression of like wanting to die and seeing instantly right then that it was completely empty and it never actually happened. And, and I don't want people to think that I'm dismissing pain or, or anything like that. And the reason why I feel like I can say it is because I went through it for two decades and I was on so many times that I felt so serious and deadly and wanting to die and just like, I can't take any more of this. But seeing it then uh, that all of that depression, no matter what has happened to you, is all in this bundle of thoughts you're believing in this timeless moment.
1: And um, and in that timeless moment and in that zero distance or that, that non-dual knowing and clear seeing, you have infinite capacity for it. Mm-hmm. Because to put it in time, we're actually running from it. We're running from something that, that and that's impossible. You can't actually run from it, but that's why it feels so freaking uncomfortable because we're trying to do the impossible in a way. We're trying to separate something that's not separatable so what you find when you go here in the way you're speaking and not through disassociation but through collapse of illusion then the inf- the access is infinite and the capacity is astounding actually for experience the okay. capacity for experience and that is compassion and it's it's unfettered compassion it's un- impersonal compassion that can also apply to any personal experience or anything or anyone you come into contact with
0: what was so, what was so important that I saw too was, it's like, you see the depression is empty and all of that stuff is empty. And you, you see that all the power there ever was is in the unborn. And then it's like, that's what you really are. And those, the apparition, you think you, the identification is believing you're the apparition, which is made up of the thoughts and the beliefs and the emotions that you've labeled that are really just energies or sensations flowing around. you've labeled and you've given it that power, but the power is always like right here to drop that sword with the clear seeing is the sword that drops the apparition. And it, it makes the power come back to, the unborn the power never left but you believe it has so it's like but but the thing is is like when the when the power when you realize that that's what you are and that's the power but you realize the apparition is not real there's no control so you can bring the power back but you can't claim it as an apparition or you're getting deluded again and i think this was a speculation I was thinking, but I think that's what happens sometimes when someone has a first awakening, and then it goes off the rails. Is they feel that power? Some of them are just calm men, <laughs> but that you know, if they have a, a awakening, they feel that power and they think it's my power. Yep. I, I did this. I'm this, and in, in an ego like the apparition tries to grab on and claim it. Yep. Um, and the way I saw it, I don't know how they could do that. Uh, I don't know how it's so beyond me the apparition that it's like you know i don't know and it's like you know there were so many insights that came up that disappeared forever i'll never even remember you know but uh another one was like the the narratives that that come together that create your your life your supposed life and it's like these causal conditions that were that created these these conditions that you have were created by other narratives from your parents. Um and, and to change your life if you're depressed or if you're seeking or any of that, all the power is right here. And the power is not something you do, it's not something you claim. The only power is clear, is like the sort of clear, so let's call it is like the sort of clear seeing. And when you use it, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to make anything happen. You just see it as clearly as you can. And when you see those narratives are not working and all the powers here, they change all by themselves. And then they reflect outward. They may touch other narratives. They may not. Uh, A big thing I always had was, God, am I supposed to love everybody? Like we're all one and all this stuff. And it's kind of like you see the nothing that they are, but the narratives you don't have to love and maybe get the fuck away from them you know what i'm saying maybe they're not serving they're not good for your years and then they get replaced and you kind of but you see how like you know some things come together i was thinking about my mom i was like if you have a belief that you deserve to be abused it's like an innocent belief that you've picked up somehow and then that narrative of an abuser may come into your life and do it and then uh at some point, like if you get away from them, you get counseling you get help, and then like a year later, you go, "How did I ever believe I deserved to be hurt?" But it's it's just kind of the way I'm framing it. You know, it's just like that narrative has changed. You've replaced with clear seeing a narrative about about your apparition, and it's like you don't even need awakening for that. I mean, you can just bring things back to right, right now and just kind of say when you see these things come up like a suffering, look for that suffering. That's, you know, they did this to me, uh, you know, they did this. Why did they divorce me five years ago? And I, I I don't understand. It's like, that's a thought right now, right now. And you can go hours here. I see that clearly and then drop it and then move on. And then it'll come back up of course, but you keep doing that. And that clear seeing to me, for, for me, I don't speak for nobody else, but for me, that was the key to dropping the whole thing or to seeing through the whole thing. Beautiful. Uh, for me, it was a lot of work and a lot of attrition and a lot of releasing at the end. So, man, yeah,
1: so good. Does that
0: sound, I don't even know if I'm saying everything right. Does that dude, sound dude. correct to you?
1: <laughs> very powerful. No, no. The transmission yeah. is very clear, very powerful. Okay. And I agree all the way up and down the line. It reminds me of a couple of things. One is um, in, I think the Thomas gospel, Christ said somewhere, people think, I think I came to spread peace upon the earth. I did not come to spread peace upon the earth. I came with a sword. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a radical statement from someone who's known for compassion and mercy and all of it. But um, he's talking about the deeper teaching, the one that's even beyond relative compassion that he demonstrated, right? Uh, um, And in Zhou Chen, it, it all, well people who are, who are Zochan practitioners and stuff would maybe disagree with the way I say it, but it all kind of comes back to empty clarity. And I agree with that, you know, it, it is this sort of empty clarity. It's the, un, as you mentioned, the unborn, like it's, it takes care of everything. And it also drives all of this. It drives the, the relative aspects of ourself to, to self-inquire in the right way and autologize or however you say it to deconstruct itself by effort, sometimes by frustration, by suffering to the point where it's seen through as a fundamental illusion. And then as Bonky said, everything is perfectly managed in the unborn. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so we can trust it and orient to it and know that you can't know how this is going to go for you. Tony couldn't know. Angela couldn't know. It's going to go how it goes, but you do have access right now, period. That's it. And acknowledge it, welcome it. Yeah. And
0: even if like, as you're seeking, if you feel like really led to this as you're seeking, whether you've had the first shift or or not it's like the clear seeing these patterns and these beliefs and these narratives can can bring you like an infinitely better life as you go on and i would just say you don't need the seeking aspect of it because the seeking is the reaching to try to control it to try to control the realization yeah um so you just have to see really dive into that seeking and write it out and find those beliefs out and what's causing that. And then just, you know, like with the inquiry for me, inquiry worked the best. I was doing it. I mean, all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was really, you know, every behavior, it was exhausting. It's exhausting. It really is. It can be exhausting, but you know, if you're called this, you don't have any choice. You're, you're doing it. And that's just the way it is because the apparition doesn't have the power.
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And and so. what you said is exactly what I see in people that, that wake up and keep waking up is is the inquiry. Um, find out the way it works for you, but you know, take it deeper and deeper into your experience now. Be be curious, but be alert, pay attention, keep applying it, even when it's uncomfortable and it will get uncomfortable. And that's what works for this. In my experience, one of your best
0: things is the see the thought as a thought. Oh, that's a thought. That, that's a thought. Mm-hmm. That's like I mean, that's one of the best one of the best things you've said as far as putting this whole thing together of things that I've read. It's just like, yeah, just keep seeing it. Mm. You know, yeah, just, just keep seeing it. it'll get clearer and clearer and it'll be foggy again. And you'll feel like you didn't do shit. <laughs> you have never <laughs> gone, you're not doing it right. And yeah. it'll feel you know, but 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 what you'll realize is that's a thought that's saying that too. That's you right. start uncovering, you start catching them, and you get yeah. better and clearer. And then the seeking isn't necessary. It's just, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, uh, I I think there is value, tremendous value. It doesn't have to happen this way. I I would guess not, but going on a retreat and, and putting yourself there for seven days. I mean, that's the commitment. I mean, that's what you want, right? So that's what you do. And you, you set aside time to, uh to go deeper because you can go deep in an hour you can go deep in two hours but man building on four or five days of stuff of of most of the day and just being around people that and i'm not naturally like that you know uh, a silent retreat was great for me because you don't have to talk to anybody you just get mm-hmm. there you just <laughs> you don't even look at anybody i'm like yeah, this, is, this is it right here i like this uh yeah. so for me it was great so
1: <laughs> right on man yeah, well
0: you know
1: yeah Absolutely. show the
0: universe you're committed and it will it'll drag you there but it won't be it may not always be easy or it could be real easy i don't know yeah. i can always speak for me in the trauma and the narratives and the conditionings on my end of what i had to do somebody else maybe don't have to you know? it's like though that's the one thing c2 to is like i don't want to say anything it's going to be one way or another at all because mm-hmm. it's like be completely proven wrong Every rule is exception is not a rule, you
1: know i saying? Yeah, well, it's, it's like, true. The, yeah, the rule books and the maps and all that are really kind of apparitions themselves or they're, you know, they, they can have an effect, but the effect can only really be to show you the value of looking here uh, again and again and again and trusting the process. It won't, as you said, you can't know how it's going to go uh, for you. You just can't know, but you don't have to know how it's going to go. That's the beauty of, as you said, trusting the process or committing to the process and letting the universe drag you where it will. And sometimes it'll feel like it's showing you the most beautiful thing. Other times it'll feel like it's dragging you kicking and screaming, but trust it.
0: Yeah. And an important thing to say, you said maps, it reminded me a really important part of that realization was seeing back to that first uh, awakening that I've, it's been a fixation my whole life. just seeing it never happened it was completely empty too it was an arising appearance in the moment and then it was held on to and all this frustration and stuff built and then when i saw that 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 was just empty all the frustration and doubt about whether i had it or didn't have it or what it was meant and it was it was like just gone and that's why that that fist opened up and ease seeped in and i was like oh like Paul Hederman's like, I'm not managing material. It's like, just like that. It's like, nope, I don't want to manage this shit no (laughs) more. Here you go.
1: That's right. Yeah. And what what a nice (laughs) surprise to be let off the hook, you know? Um, yeah. 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 All right, my friend. Well, I appreciate your time, man. This has been such an incredible conversation and I already know the the, the people watching this are going to get a ton out of it. And yeah, very clear, very clear coming through and Appreciate all the work you've done for for yourself and the world and your family. And, you know, even though it was really to end suffering, that's why we, that's why we do this. That's why we engage this. We want to feel better. We want to break through and see through the illusions. But um, but the work is very valuable. And I I, I appreciate all the years you've done and um look forward to seeing how it how it sort of plays out now.
0: I would I would tell people that were just starting or been and haven't done it yet. You know, your YouTube channels is great as a support for the book. I would say, man, get the book and really delve deep into every every bit of it because – and then come back to the YouTube. It's great to watch the channel, I and mean, that's great subset information, but the, the core of what they need that will, that will skip a bunch of stuff they don't need and dive deep into what they do, You're, the pointing is like exactly great.
1: Well, I appreciate <laughs> you know, that. Like I said, I wish I
0: had it back then. So Thanks, I would tell people to get that book and, and really study it because there's a lot of stuff you say in the book that is, you know, in other books and explained in ways that are very, you know, like Buddhists what you, what you do is you take those concepts and you kind of talk about them in plain speaking. So people are getting those things, but they're not having to, you know, they're not having to learn all these different layers. You're putting those layers in kind of (laughs) sneaky, you know, you kind of sneakily put them in, in an accessible way. Uh, you know, so I know that, that that's it. That's helpful.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that. And I agree in the sense that the videos are great, but they're also impromptu and the speech is a little bit more loose and, 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 you know, they can transmit, but the book, I mean, I re I wrote, rewrote, revised, revised, I got the language precise. So that not only it's not teaching you something, it's transmitting something. It's also transmitting to you, your own ability to transmit to yourself and how to look in a precise way. Um, that's, that's hard to do in videos because you just speak in, in an impromptu way. So I think they transmit in different ways for sure. Just like a retreat is a completely different experience than any of this other stuff we're talking about. So all these different modalities that are available now, you know, not just my stuff either. There's other Jed McKenna and Josh and different facilitators and Violet and You know, Suzanne, and there's people you can interact with one-on-one where you're going to be interacting with somebody who does not recognize any filters, either in you or them. And that hasn't, that has a profound effect as well. So you utilize your resources. We live in a time now where this never happened in history. Like they didn't have the internet even 20 years ago, really to, to get all this, this great content and like, we're lucky. And I think it's also why people are waking up a lot and fast, you know, faster. Uh, but it also makes it steep in a lot of ways too. So. Yeah,
0: and and be careful, not not that you know. Just be careful who you decide to listen to as well. (laughs) You know. Yeah, true. There's there's a lot of people out there that say stuff that's can really turn you into a cul-de-sac that you don't get out of for a long time if you're not careful. So,
1: I I agree uh, with that too. I I always weigh in, and people message me sometimes. You should speak out about so and so, and I always weigh in how much I want to do that because there are people who watch my stuff and. They really oriented toward a certain guru or someone that I kind of consider like mm, lukewarm at best, you know, but I'm not here to criticize that because I don't want to ostracize that person. I just trust that they're going to continue to attune to a deeper, I don't know, uh, prompting to investigate in a very direct way and not worship a guru or put someone on a pedestal or, you know, yeah, I oh mean, there's so much, there's confusing stuff out there and some of it's not just confusing, but fraudulent. So I agree with you there, but you, there's so much variety now. Look around, yeah. you know what I mean? Read or read my chapter that it talks directly about how to watch out for certain teachers or certain dynamics in yourself that can orient you to a teacher that's unscrupulous, you know? So
0: we have an inner compass too. You can kind of get a feel, some you'll get a feel, you might get some warning bells like oh, this doesn't feel right or something. But then sometimes you people may ignore that and say, well, they know better than me, you know? It's like, yeah, maybe yeah. not,
1: right? Exactly. Don't <laughs> Don't overlook red flags,
0: <laughs> yeah, don't overlook red flags. Hi, <laughs> right, Tony. Thanks again, right. man.
1: We'll, we'll have to talk again sometime. And uh, I'm sure, you know, personally, we'll obviously talk, but thanks for your time. Yeah. Everyone's going to get so much out of this and, and I'm, I'm just really happy for you.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me. <laughs>